good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. You're not cheating on your wife if you eat my lemon square. Your lemon squares taste like ass. So we are joined officially by Kevin Williamson. I'm very excited. We're going to dive right into this because we've got limited time and so many questions to ask you. So we're going to begin with a bit of a softball question. And I'm wondering how aware are you of fan reactions to your work and how much does that factor into the things that you write, if at all? Well, I do, I pay attention, you know, I want it, I want feedback and I, you know, it's it, from anyone, you know, a, a good idea is a good idea. And I think, health, you know, healthy criticism is not a bad thing either. You know, I've, I've been, I've learned a lot from some, you know, there's a few critics out there, for instance, that I really follow and I'm, I'm anxious to see what they say about my work. And if they do tear it apart, as long as it's like something constructive and, and they're not just being mean for the sake of being mean, which is, you get a lot of that too, but yeah. You know, by the way, that just comes with it. But um, I really like constructive, you know, constructive feedback and in any type of form. And Twitter has turned, has just changed the game on instant feedback. But, you know, like, for instance, with Scream, and I think it was Scream 2 when I killed Randy. That's when I got a lot of flack. I remember everybody was like, why did you kill Randy? Why did you kill Randy? I'm like, because I wanted this reaction. <laughs> but, but it's interesting because meanwhile, now you have people that are like, you got to kill the trio now, because if you don't, then it doesn't mean anything. And it's like, well, where was that when Randy died? <laughs> but also don't yeah. kill any of the central trio because we can't afford to lose any of them. We love them all. <laughs> exactly. So there's all of that going on. And, and I learned about Twitter with Vampire Diaries because that's when I think the CW used the, the, the internet to launch Vampire Diaries. It was all like, you know, let's uh, mm-hmm. watch shows with us. And so we would tweet along and, and it was all part of the advertisement and we would learn instantly the next day when they didn't like something or when they did like something, or that's when I learned, you know, that's when everyone started to ship different characters and different relationships. And that's when all that began. And I was like, Oh, wow. And if I, if I did something wrong, boy, they let me know it. Right. <laughs> well, so I, I guess going into the internet, then that's a good segue into our next question. So we're kind of going through some of the films in the franchise and we'll just start with Scream 2 actually, because that notoriously had issues with the internet back in uh, 97 when that was being filmed. And, you know, the infamous script leaks prompted a dramatic overhaul of the, of your original treatment, at least to our knowledge, um, including the reported loss maybe of a third and fourth killer in Hallie and Derek. When all that was going on, how did you approach the rewrite or rewrites? And do you miss anything from that original treatment that didn't make it into the original, into the final film? No, I don't remember anything about what you just said. I I can only speak to my memory and, and, and it's a very unreliable narrator at this point, but I don't recall ever changing anything because of the internet. When we were auditioning people for Scream 2, we only gave them the first 70 pages to read. They were all had a big mark through them and they were all secretly coded. We would make actors come into the conference room and get there and not leave with it and things like that. So I, and yes, we did, we actually leaked some fake endings because we knew there was a lot of, there was one where we made Dewey the ending 
Uh, we made Dewey the Killer, I'm sorry, in the end, um, which was just preposterous, but we did it. We made him the killer. We made him rise up after getting shot and kill everyone and be part of it. And we connect. And my assistant wrote that version and we put it on the internet. And we, we would sit around at lunch and come up with fake endings. And then we would decide which one we wanted to, to sort of put out there because we were worried that the real ending would get out there. Right. And we wanted to make sure that if it did, no one knew which was which. So we actually leaked and I was, and I had a friend of mine that ran a blog and I sent it to, or not a friend, but someone who I'd been in touch with who had interviewed me for several things that I had met him and I trusted him. And I sent it to him and said, will you please leak this? And he did. <laughs> and he I made love that. Career too. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and uh, he, it was lovely. And anyway, so yeah, we did, we did play okay. that game a little bit. We had, we felt like we had to, because there was such, such such um, a fervor over the the stream too, which was by the way a great thing, great place to be, you know, right. that you can do all of this. Yes, this is a lot of fun. Okay, so we're gonna move on to screen three now. Uh, oh, just go straight past, skip the one and two, and go right into screen three. Well, there, I see where this is going. There's, there's so much dirt. Yeah, there's a bit more contentious stuff to maybe try to get out of you. So. So we know the original idea for Scream 3 was to return to Woodsboro. And we do see that segment in the final film. And we also know that that treatment ends up becoming the entirety of the premise in Scream 4, where Sydney finally comes back home and so on. We were wondering if there are other unused aspects of Scream 3 that you ended up sort of putting into Scream 4. I wish Wes was here because I could ask him. I can't. I started thinking about that about why they moved it from Woodsboro to LA. And I think part of it was Courtney's schedule mm. and schedule. And I can't remember if Neb was still doing party five or not too, but I think we were butting into some TV schedules and all of those shows were first position. We had second position behind everything because right. there were longstanding contracts. And so um, I think that had something to do with the fact that he got moved to LA. And I think Wes wanted to be in LA. He didn't see a point to going back to Woodsboro. And so I think that's what Chad in my 30 page outline, I think or 35, whatever it was that, that um, I started, I went and looked for that outline the other day. I went and opened up all my old computers and I searched and searched. I couldn't find it, but uh, I didn't look that hard, but I looked and that changed. Oh, the killers. There were, yes. In screen, in screen three, there was more than two killers. There was oh, really? Okay. It was, it was, it, I remember in the final scene, Sydney shoots, in my, I think it was the same thing. I think uh, Gail Weathers got shot and we, I killed her for five minutes <laughs> where she was lying there. You actually thought she was dead. And then of course she wasn't. And, and after Sydney kills the killer in the final scene, this, then she goes over to help Gail. And as she's helping Gail, he's, there's all the dead bodies in the house and you just see them all rise up at once. And they had all killed because they, the killers had killed them and faked their deaths and they were all still alive. Yeah. And there were like, and so it was sort of a group, a, a bunch of teenage kids who had gotten together to play a game on Sydney for the various reasons. And so it was more than two killers. That was the big to do at the end. And um, it was a really great, powerful scene because you had two endings and, and it worked really well. But um, um, that was just in an outline form. And I think it was Bob who felt it was too violent. To Colin, you know, because we were going through a really bad time with uh, Columbine teenagers and Columbine and just teenage violence. And I think everyone was scared. Of that. I actually didn't see the movie. I was, I was kind of 
Right. I, I, held, I didn't see the movie for years. I only saw it when I sat down to write Screen 4. I said, I've got to see Screen 3. Because I'd seen like bits and pieces of it, but I never watched the whole movie. Right. And so I sat down and watched the whole movie from start to finish. And um, I don't remember that part, <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. May, may I ask, actually, and again, if you recall, may I ask what your reaction to Screen 3 was when you first saw it? Um, it didn't feel like Screen 1 and 2. It just didn't feel like it was, I thought as a, from a writing standpoint, I could tell it was from a different hand, you know, right. and um, I didn't find it scary. I thought yeah. it was a little funnier. I thought it was a little more kitschy, a little more campy. I thought it was, uh, it had some really nice moments with the movie within a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Parker Posey's character and so forth. And that was a lot of fun. I thought it had some great moments to it. And, it, and I felt like one of the things that Wes and I did really well with together was we tried to work the logic out. We really played the logic police with, well, this couldn't happen because this was happening. This couldn't happen here because that happened. And we played that game. We tried to make it as airtight as possible. And I found in screen three, it was a little messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, you know, they got a fax, I think that said, you know, oh, yeah. and they got the fax, but the power in the house already <laughs> went off. And, and it's like little things like that where I was like, you know what, that's just sloppy. We can, you know, it's like the little, thing, the little things like that just irk me because I'm like, I'm a writer. I'm like, you didn't have, you could have, that's something you could have fixed like that. You know, that's, that was an, there was an easy solution on the page to fix that. And the fact that you didn't fix it is lazy. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, that stuff like that would bug, bug me, but also I was looking to be bugged. <laughs> I was looking to be irked. I mean, to be fair, I wasn't watching. I wasn't just coming to it like in a, a movie where I was coming to someone who didn't write it, who should have. <laughs> and yeah, I was yeah. looking at it going. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Like it, it's someone else finishing, finishing your character stories. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't have any ill will towards anyone. It's just what happened at the time. And it's just being honest. That's how I felt at the time. Yeah. Right. And I look back on it now, I'm, you know, I'm much older and I've been through so much and I, I look back on it now with a, more of a sense of humor and I have more, so, so much more reflection. And I hope, you know, the listeners understand that when they hear this, it's just that I, I am able to look back at it and just joke about it. I mean, I, I you know, um, and, and, and just comment on that was a disastrous time between me and the studio <laughs> and we didn't get along and we had sort of a falling out. And um, the good news is, is, you know, and I, you know, um, Wes was so dear to me and he was always sort of sticking up for me. And he was always, you know, I, I felt like I really had a partner in him. And so that was, you know, it was, um, I, you know, clearly I had some, some disgruntlements with Bob. Yeah. We had a, my, a quite contentious relationship. I think the last time we spoke, you had mentioned, you know, okay, Scream 4, like the ending is very much what you wrote. You know, it was always going to be Jill, blah, blah, blah. The ending was what you wrote, but there's other stuff in the middle that had changed. So again, it, it might be a memory question here, but like, was there something in your in w- draft four that you were like, oh, I, I wish that would have made it into the final film. I, I hate that we lost that part. <laughs> I the, the only thing I regret is I really love my original opening scene. Ooh, what was it? It was, my opening scene was Sydney Prescott. And it was because I, I felt like I really wanted to meet her and know who she was all these years later. So we meet Sydney Prescott, we get to know her and we get to see, we get to catch up with her for, you know, two or three minutes before the phone start, phone starts and the calls start. And she has, um, and we set up her whole world and, and she's in a house and she, her relationships with her fiance and her assistant, because she's a, a, a writer now. And it was a bloodbath. 
where these killers came in and we watched how she was different now and she was stronger and she had she had technology behind her with her house locked down and she, mm-hmm. she was able to protect herself and, and and do a really good job and then she ultimately killed the killer in the opening scene and she and that was, which was the big surprise that he stabs her five times and she finally keeps fighting back and she came back and it was a lot of there's a lot of twists and turns with it, this technology with um a, a camera video uh, surveillance that I set up and um, was always like using some sort of technology and she ends up stabbing. He, she gets stabbed five times and she comes back and kills the killer at the end. That's the end of, of the first scene. Yeah. And then when we came into then the title card and after the title card, it said two years later, and then we started the movie. So we got hmm. to, and that kill tied into, and um, because there was someone else in, anyway. So that was my, and it was just, I thought a really scary scene. Yeah. I only hadn't seen it before and I've used it for spare parts and other stuff and the following and so forth. And some of my other sort of surprises and I'd have to go through the episodes and tell you where right. but I've used it again. So I've got to use it. And I thought that was, that was, I regret that because it was one of the scariest scenes I've ever read. It sounds really good. Yeah. <laughs> was, I loved it. And but the good news is it lived on. It did live in another way. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's one of the joys of the following is that you got you did repurpose a lot of things from screen three and screen four in there. But yeah, okay. but, um, and so that was um, anyway. But yes, that was that was probably the, the biggest loss. Like the stabathon in the middle of the movie, I I don't know where that came from. That was that was huh. yeah. Okay. So uh, one of the characters I've always had a question about is the character of Robbie, because especially as queer viewers, we, we've never got an out and proud character in any of the four films. But then when Robbie gets killed, he says, I'm gay. I'm gay if that helps. And we've noticed that people interpret it in two different ways. Some people like me believe that he actually is gay. And then other people think that he's just saying that as like part of the new rules to not get killed. And we were wondering if you wrote Robbie one way or the other. I didn't write Robbie. No. (laughs) (laughs) Having your break in my heart here. (laughs) Okay. Well, that addresses that question. And now we can move on. Yep. (laughs) I remember that coming up in a notes call. And I don't know, I don't know who wrote that part. You know, when Scream 4 came along, there were eight writers for arbitration. So I don't recall, I couldn't tell you who wrote that line or who created that character. I think in my version, Robbie was gay, but I didn't create that line where he said, you know, you can't kill me because I'm gay if that helps or whatever. I didn't write that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think again, because there 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 is a draft of, something floating around and i think someone had because in, in the line they're like oh to survive this movie you pretty much have to be gay but i think in one of the drafts that was floating around it was like oh you can kill the gays now it's progressive and so i don't know if that was <laughs> something that people saw <laughs> i don't know i don't know if i wrote that i don't know maybe i wrote that i don't know i you know i mean i don't yeah. know where i'm guilty or where i'm not but and you know well so again, another contention with fans uh, is the hospital ending of Scream 4. Because some people are like, some people really like it. And other people are like, it feels very tacked on. It feels like something they added after the fact. I know it was written before, like, but I didn't know if you had written that or if that was, again, after you went back to Vampire Diaries, if that was added after the fact. It was, yes, I wrote a version of it. I don't mm-hmm. know if I wrote the final version of it, but it was added after the fact. It was added before they filmed it, clearly, right. but it was tacked on. It, um, the studio felt like we didn't have enough of an ending. And so we took it to the hospital. And I think someone, I don't know whose idea it was, if it was Wes or someone else's, but when 
they called me and said, we feel like we need a, we need a bigger ending, right? Whatever you want. I think someone suggested the hospital. So I ran with it and I wrote a version of it. But again, I, I don't know if I was the finishing voice. On For sure. But yeah, it was, it was written prior to filming, but it was tacked on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes and yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> Okay, thinking about uh, the character of Jill specifically, obviously Emma Roberts does an amazing job as an actress, but a lot of people have latched on to her motivations as being very prescient considering when the film was made and how much more relevant it has actually become in the years past. Like, I think it's one of the reasons people have rediscovered and come to appreciate Scream 4. We're wondering, how did you come up with that motivation? Because it feels like it's really ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought, well, you know, I, I'm that guy who watches all these reality shows. And I'm, I'm you know, and I watch The Housewives and I watch, you know, it, it, I call it my Kardashian ending. You know? <laughs> <laughs> because it's sort of um, the, you know, her motive is to be a celebrity. Her, she wants mm-hmm. to be a celebrity victim and she wants to pull the mantle away from from Sydney. But one of the things I also know is that you can't have just sort of a cerebral motive. You have to have something very personal. So connecting it to the idea that it's her aunt and that she's had to live in the shadow of this famous uh, woman her entire life. And now she wants to play the part um, is, you know, to me, it was just, it's just very all about Eve and mixed in with, you know, that sort of the, the, the timeliness of the internet, social media exploding and reality television exploding mm-hmm. onto the scene. And that was, you know, and, and what I love about the news streams, they, you know, they, 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 they do a very timely motive too. And I think that's, what's so great about keeping the, the, the franchise fresh is that, you know, we don't have a Michael Myers or a Freddy Krueger. We have a ghost mask and someone different is in that ghost mask every single time. And so their motive is different every single time. And so we get to sort of keep it fresh and timely that way. And I think that's what they did such a beautiful job with, with this new version. Well, and I do want to let you know, I mean, obviously the franchise has a very devoted queer a following period, but also a very devoted queer following the ending, the, the Laurie Metcalf in two and Emma Roberts in four, like they have really like broken the mold of like, it's like camp almost, but like good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I love the way I West really got it when I, I wrote in that she goes and slams herself against the wall and throws herself yes. on the coffee table. I mean, I, and I thought he nailed that. So. It's iconic. It's absolutely iconic. So one of my favorite characters is Kirby. And that's because I think a lot of people see her as a sort of gender flipped, updated version of Randy. And I guess I was just wondering, how did you like, was that the specific intention of the character? Did you want her to play that new role? Did you think of like, how would Randy be updated in this way? And then back to yeah, that that was, that was that was the that's who Kirby was I wanted her to be sort of the voice of Randy and be the person who could also have have the inside knowledge of the genre and know all the conventions and tropes and you needed someone I felt like who would sort of play that part and sort of be able to sort of uh, speak to that and, and fill in all the references and and have fun with and I really loved I loved, loved writing that character I thought she was fun I thought um uh Hayden Pantier was wonderful in the part yeah. I'm really, I'm such a big fan of hers. So. She, I mean, she, she's definitely the fan favorite of the film. Um, I think in the in the decade since its release. I know. I feel like that's the thing. They're always like, "Well, is she alive or is she dead?" It's because we want her to be alive. <laughs> no, and, and that's a good segue into my next question. Because I mean, obviously, you had a plan trilogy in mind. You had four, five, and six. At least five and six kind of mapped out. I, we have read rumors, and again, they're all rumors because we don't know. But like that, it, that five might have followed like Jill going to college with Kirby. 
what would six have been? Well, five, I, I didn't have Kirby in my version. She was dead. Um, ah. sorry, sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Um, and she, uh, Jill went to college and, and then killed, uh, murder started on the college campus. And it was a killer who knew she was the killer from the last film. Oh. And so he, he, and the killer kept trying to expose her. So she would have to kill to keep it covered up. And so it was killer against Me. killer. That was Scream 5 my version of it and scream six though was going to and that and by the way sydney was a professor at that school and that's why and, and it was going to be a big love story between her which was you know the big thing between her and billy and scream one was could she trust someone in love again and that it was going to tell a love story i was going to sort of like go down this path of, of i wanted sydney to be happy i hate i feel like she's going through so much and to just make her a sad sad victim was never part of my vision for that character. So I wanted to sort of give her some fulfillment and, and, and show what a true warrior she is. And, and she deserved happiness. And I was going to give her that. And, and, but I was creating a really bad red herring in the man that she was loving. And mm-hmm. it turned out that he in fact was good. And she ended up with a happy ending. And that was my wow. wish for her. And then Scream six was going to answer whatever happened between Dewey and Gail. Wow. Oh, okay. that's kind of cool. So, and so I was gonna, that was going to be, Sydney was in it, but it was more focused on Gail and uh, Gail's storyline and her profession and, and, and was she ever going to achieve the, her professional goals and become what she wanted to truly be and be taken serious as a journalist and also sort of round herself out and be fulfilled as a, as a, uh, with love. I love that. <laughs> and it was all done in the media world. So it was all sort of that sort of, uh, you know, it was all around um, a new station, a, a TV show, cable TV show that she was doing. And so it got into the end. It dealt with media, which also the motive of the killer was dealing with as well. You know, it was just one, one of those things. But that was, that was my idea for six. Yeah. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So obviously, that's not what we're going to get when the new film we're opens get up. a lot better. Okay. So. Well, we're very excited to check it out. Unfortunately, this is the end of our time, but thank you so much for all of your generous that answers. Like, you just got me the dirt on people and you don't yes. ask me any good questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, what, what are your spoiler-free thoughts on the new film? I love it. I thought um, I can honestly say I think they did a bang up job. I think they're terrific. I, you know, it's hard for me to separate because I'm such a, it's such, so uh, it's so part of my DNA, this whole franchise. And, you know, when I first, when they first sent it to me to watch the very first director's cut, I had an emotional response to it. I like it up. I got weepy. I, I, I found myself very emotionally involved. I found it funny. I just like, as it was all, you know, I, I of course knew what was going to happen. They let me be part of the development process and they let me give notes and things like that. But more importantly, I got to be an audience member for the first time. And I really, I was watching it with my boyfriend and we, and he was like cackling. He just, just laughing. And I was like, is this good? He went, Oh yeah. <laughs> and, I like, okay. and I was like, cause I didn't know. I just knew I was enjoying it. And I thought I was just watching it because I was so happy to see Sydney. And I was so happy to see Gail. The new cast is really good too. They yeah. pop off the screen. And I, I loved, uh, um, Jenna Ortega is so good. It's like, there's just some good acting in this movie and there's a good cast and they just did a beautiful job. And the Radio Not guys, um, Radio Silence, they're so, 
they're they're just kind and and passionate and gentle the way Wes was. And so I feel like they were just the right people to do it. Mm -hmm. So it all kind of worked out. I was I'm happy, happy. That's good Amazing. to hear, especially after Scream Three. After Scream Three. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I mean, when we're telling this story. We talk about Scream Three and Scream Four as if it was, you know, uh, like, you know, a, a war zone. And it really was that it was just sort of one moment after another. And it just sort of, it just a lot of it got blown out of proportion. It really, it really comes down to, you know, when you're part of a, a family for too long, eventually you're just going to argue and fight. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, it, you know, I'm a good boy and I, and I really do do what I'm asked to do, but at some point I got to, you know, I got to just say, I, I got to put my foot down when I think we're really turning left and we should be going right. That's all. Well, thank you for your candor. We we really appreciate it. I hope, yes. I, I hope everyone else appreciates it. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> again, like we've had people like reach out to us asking us these kind of questions, and we're like, we don't know, but maybe Kevin Williamson will. <laughs> well, and I don't know everything, and a lot of it. And I like to say I'm a very unreliable narrator because yeah. I don't remember everything. I, I would say fact check me, but <laughs> so. it's been 25 years since the first one. It's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> well thanks again kevin this has been fantastic please yeah. make me sound good <laughs> we will you will be fine i promise, right. I promise. awesome all okay, right so thanks again to talk to you. it's good to see you guys again